My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, guys, we are here with Tracy Gilmore Nimoy, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She offered to come on the podcast today to talk to us about kind of her personal background and her clinical background. So, Tracy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, so before we get started, I wanted to give you the opportunity to just kind of give us some background about how you got interested in psychology and counseling, um, Mm -hmm. kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis, and how you work to serve women in your community. Yeah, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I just went through the certification process through PSI. So also a certified perinatal mental health professional. And I currently have a private practice in San Diego, California. Uh, Prior to that, I worked in various settings, hospitals, um, various community mental health settings, clinics. And right now I'm really focusing on private practice. So that's sort of a, a quick background about my clinical experience. Yeah, that, um, that training through PSI, that's something that I've always been really interested yeah. in, and it's so great that they offer that. Um, I know that this is something, you know, postpartum support is something that you and I both feel really strongly about, so mm-hmm. why don't you just kind of talk to us about how you got invested in this type of work? Yeah, definitely. I'm super passionate about women's health in general and specifically maternal mental health. And so when I was in school and all of my experience up until, you know, really about nine months ago, I I didn't receive any training or education in maternal mental health. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing to say that I didn't even really give it a second thought. You know, I received training to work with pretty much every other population aside from women's health. And then I had my own experience, which was pretty horrific. And that I realized like, wow, there's a service gap here. And I had such a hard time when I was going through everything, finding my own therapist and not just therapists, but doctors who were trauma informed. And I realized, you know, there is such a need for this. And I want to be a person that is, has this expertise that can help people when they're going through this. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you 100% that we weren't really taught about any of this in school. Um, It's a shame that this is this additional training that we even have to get and that it's not just given to us. Um, Mm -hmm. So I hear you with that one for sure. And 
you know, from your own personal experience too, I know for me, that is also what evoked an interest in the field for me. Um, you know, having yeah. a toddler, he's now almost three, you know, I, I, being a therapist myself, I thought that I was going to be really well prepared for postpartum. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they do everything that they can to kind of prepare you for labor, but they don't actually prepare you for anything in the postpartum period. So yeah. yeah. So, so glad yeah. you are doing this work. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, first of all, when dealing with women's health, you know, specifically related to starting a family, there are two patients, there's the mother and the child. And, you know, I felt like throughout my, pre my pregnancy, everyone was so concerned with my physical well-being, but not once was I asked, you know, any, you know, mental, not, there wasn't a mental health screening or assessment that was done. And so no one was really sort of checking in with my mental health and it's so interesting to me because a woman who is going through pregnancy and then the postpartum period I mean her body goes through so many physiological and emotional changes that is very similar to what a, a young girl goes through during adolescence and so it just blows my mind that we have all of these changes happening but we're not addressing the mental health aspect of it and how that connects to mental health. Yeah, I love that you made the comparison between motherhood and that sh that shift and adolescence because I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever heard of Dr. Alexander Sachs, but she talks about a term yeah, called yeah, matrescence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's this whole yeah. idea, mm -hmm. like the shifting of the mother and identity and how yeah. the shifting of that person and that identity and all the hormonal changes, like we know and expect for adolescents to be difficult, right? Like mm -hmm. we give teenagers that pass, we know that they're just having mm -hmm. a rough time, but we, even right. though motherhood is exactly the same in a lot of ways, we don't talk about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love too, on your website, you talk about so many of the issues that women struggle with that, again, like we weren't talked about, we weren't taught mm -hmm. about, we weren't told about things like traumatic delivery, having to terminate mm -hmm. for medical reasons and all of that stuff. So yeah. So yeah. So talk to us about kind of the work that you do with those women. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's interesting too, just from a mental health perspective, because there are certain populations within mental health, like substance use and eating disorders, where it's, we're really using an integrated care model and we're not doing that with women's health which doesn't make sense given what we just talked about and so you know in terms of what I when I think about what information was said to me in terms of what to expect with a pregnancy and postpartum it was really just like here's what to expect expect everything to go well and I think that even if everything in my situation had gone well, I, I still don't think I was given a lot of information, you know, in terms of what to expect. And so then when things don't go well, like, um, like having to terminate or traumatic delivery, you know, it's like, what do we do with that? Like, I didn't even know what it was supposed to look like when things were, you know, supposed to be going well. So how am I supposed to know when things, when there's a, a problem? And so that's kind of a long-winded <laughs> answer to your question, but that's a little bit of background into um, the work that I do. Yeah, you're so right. Um, there was so essentially. Yeah, I, I was gonna say there was. Um, you're reminding me of a a social media post that I saw, um, 
about how like as women, whenever we're pregnant in our, our late stages of pregnancy, we're constantly being asked, like, how are you feeling? Like, how are you sleeping? Are you sure that you're eating okay? And it's just a lot of attention on the mom. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as mm -hmm. baby is here, it's six weeks go by and we're not asking yeah. anything. Um, and that's yeah. such a, such a shame. Such a shame. Yeah. So essentially, uh, it probably makes sense for me to share a little bit about my personal experience, which has influenced the clinical work that I'm doing now. So I was pregnant for the first time last year. It was due this April, the end of April. And I had what they referred to as an uneventful, unremarkable pregnancy. You know, I did have some minor complications like I had Sena Previa and the way that I found out I was pregnant was post-surgery. I was hospitalized for some infections that I had. And so I had a bit of a rough start, but I was constantly reassured that everything was fine throughout the pregnancy. And I think something that really stands out for me is a woman's intuition. And I had said from the second I was pregnant, like, I think something is wrong. And I was constantly labeled as an anxious first time pregnant woman and, and just constantly reassured throughout my pregnancy. So essentially I make it to the third trimester and I go for a routine ultrasound and they basically, they see something on the brain. And so that leads to a referral to a perinatologist, which is a high risk pregnancy specialist. And at that point I was 28 weeks and they said, no, everything's fine. This is human error. And so again, I had said, you know, I, I don't feel right about this. Something is wrong. And I was again told like, no, everything's fine. And so I really had to, I, I, I had to push pretty hard and say like, no, I want a follow-up appointment. I don't trust what you're saying. And that led to a follow-up appointment four weeks later, at which point they're like, oh yeah, so there's severe brain damage. And by that point, you know, I'm 32 weeks pregnant or, you know, 30, yeah, 32 weeks pregnant. So that led to um, a lot of scrambling and multiple appointments where we couldn't even find a doctor in the area where we live who could give us a diagnosis and prognosis of what we were working with. And so after being shuffled around, we, we found out that the pregnancy wasn't viable. And so they had said to us, you know, if your baby does survive, your baby won't live a long time. She'll be in a vegetative state. She'll be in constant pain, you know, round the clock care. And so at that point they said, you know, you can opt to terminate if you would like. And so, um, you know, my husband and I, we, this is a baby that we tried to have, you know, tried to get pregnant for almost a year. And this was such a wanted, wanted and loved baby. And we were just like, you know, it's, it's a choice in that, like we had to go and there was another uh, procedure, but it's not really a choice when you're given that diagnosis and prognosis. And so I'll kind of pause there and let, it's a lot of information and let you, um, you know, chime in, but you know, that's sort of how my interests clinically shifted. Yeah. That is so heavy. And yeah. You know, just with all the moms who have come forward on my podcast with my anonymous yeah. series, so many of them have come forward so bravely and courageously and shared their stories mm -hmm. of miscarriage or um, mm -hmm. pregnancies that weren't viable. And I feel for them so deeply. And I'm so yeah. honored that, you know, we're giving you the space to, to talk about this right now. And I'm so, yeah. it's so incredible that you were able to take this really, you know, 
arguably kind of horrific events and turn it into what seems like a really huge passion for you to try to help other women and try to address the kinks that are clearly in the maternal mental health system, right? So a couple of things that you mentioned that really stood out to me was like this idea of mother's intuition. Like you felt strongly that something was wrong and you were just continually labeled, nope, first time mom, first time mom, super anxious. And it's like, at what point do moms, you know, and not that there's an answer to it, but at what point do moms kind of forgo their intuition and listen to the doctors? At what point do they forge ahead and listen to their intuition? Because clearly in your case, something was wrong. Right. So, so difficult. Yeah. And it was so devastating because, you know, it's not the sort of thing you want to be right about. (laughs) Like I would have loved to be wrong. And it's hard because you go and you put your trust in these providers and they, and I'm not a doctor and, you know, they are experts and, you know, so it's such a hard, you know, balance. And, um, I really struggled with that. And, you know, in that interim period where they said everything was fine, I had a baby shower I, you know, my, we decorated a nursery. And so like, we were, you know, very prepared. And so when we, when we decided to terminate, um, you know, we had to like undo a lot of things that were done. Like we had a whole house full of baby stuff and that was just so painful to have to like go in and and remove everything on top of all the physical stuff, you know, I was close to 33 weeks pregnant. And so I had to go through a a full delivery. Whereas like if I had found out earlier on in the pregnancy, I would have had the option for surgical removal. And so that was just like another thing on top that was, that was taken from me. Yeah, absolutely. So I I try to just like put myself in your position as much as possible and it's so heavy, but like what, I mean, as you are sitting there and, you know, having to make these really difficult decisions and you're having to undo, like you said, the items from your baby shower and just try Mm -hmm. to get through the day, not to mention the physical pain that I'm sure you're in. How, what does your support system look like? Like what is your mental health at that point and how are you coping? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm so lucky. I have wonderful supports. My husband and I have been together for 11 years and he is a phenomenal partner and I have a great family and friends. And so, you know, that whole week leading up to running from doctor to doctor, there was an MRI and there, there, there were a lot of appointments and diagnostics in that week, which led us to the termination and then the induction. And so that, that initial week, which I like consider the crisis, that was like therapy two to three times a week. That was me laying in bed, hysterical. I mean, I really wasn't functioning at that point. Um, I mean, you know, how, how could someone be? It's just so devastating. And it's like, you know, you, I was grieving. And then I was also trying to gear myself up to make it through a labor, my first labor. So I didn't have an idea of what that would entail, but I knew that it was going to be hard And they had told me because it was my first pregnancy and because I was being induced that it would likely be long. And so, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm grieving like the death of my child, which is what I consider it to be. And then I'm also like having to like find this like fight in me to survive like the next few days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so, so many probably, I mean, just competing emotions and like yeah. the perfect example of how everything feels yeah. so heavy and it feels like cruel that the world can continue to expand. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. 
Right. I always said that to my husband, like, it's sunny outside. Like, why is there sun? And I was really lucky. I had um, a group of friends that kind of banded together and they did a lot for me. So like they came in and they took everything, all the baby items out of my house. They put it in storage. They, sh they stripped the nursery, they repainted. So when I came out of the hospital, it was just like a blank white room, which is nice that I didn't have to do that. And then they assembled a gift basket with like postpartum products and blankets and just sort of like any wellness comforting items that I would need during the postpartum period. And then of course, like a lot of um, like gift cards, like Grubhub or food delivery um, places that I didn't have to worry about cooking. Yeah, that's so awesome. So yeah. I'm thinking of all the other women who I'm sure some of the women who you serve and some of the women who are listening yeah. now, who have experienced high-risk pregnancies or traumatic deliveries yeah. or yeah. difficult decision of having to terminate, you know, what are some other scenarios that are maybe not as commonly talked about that women yeah. really kind of struggle with? Can you offer them any validation or any other kind of, yeah. kind of ways that they can support themselves during that time? Yeah. I mean, what I say to women, whether it's someone that I'm meeting with professionally, like in a therapeutic setting or just someone that I, you know, cross paths with is that this really is as hard as you think it is. And I think because there is this perception that we're just supposed to not talk about any of this stuff, there is this perception that we're fine and we're not fine and we shouldn't be. And I, I realized it a lot when people would ask, they'd like, text me or they call me they big, how are you? And I'm like, not great. <laughs> you know, like there was this expectation that like after a period of time, I would be fine and I would be really honest in my responses. And so what I want people to know is that it's okay if you're having a hard time. It's normal if you're having a hard time. When we go through something that, that is so profoundly devastating, like we cry and we have a hard time. That's an appropriate reaction to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I love doing this podcast too, because I feel like I'm getting to know more about the actual struggles of women. And like, yeah. I feel like now recently some, I mean, I think we're being a little bit better about it. Like we're being more open about talking yeah. about like miscarriage and trauma and all of those yeah. things. And it's still, I mean, I've told you in our individual conversations, I feel like of yeah. all the women who have reached out to me for my anonymous series, it seems mm. like the majority of women are, have struggled with infertility or yeah. delivery or something. And it's like, yeah, crazy to me that these are the women just like who I pass in the grocery store, like that these yeah. are women on the side of the street with their stroller, right? Yeah. Like these are women, th this happens to women and we need to not yeah. normalize it, but normalize the grief that comes along with that process. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty common. The statistics are startling and it's common but it's not commonly talked about and i think you know like i'm in such a unique position because i had so many things happen like i i had the termination and it was a late loss and then i had a very traumatic delivery that i almost didn't survive and so with my experience and then my professional experience and just seeing the systemic issues that I ran into, I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to really become an expert in this area because no one knew what to do with me. Mm -hmm. And it was such an unsettling feeling. I felt so isolated. I was like, I'm educated. I work in healthcare. Like I know this stuff and I'm really struggling and no one knows what to tell me. Like I want people to have a place to go when they're going through this. And so that's, 
I knew immediately I was going to shift my practice and, and focus on maternal mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that it felt empowering in a way too, to feel, you know, it, it's clear what your why is. It's clear mm-hmm. and that you are wanting to put that back in and pour that back into the woman who you serve. So I'm curious, like yeah. you know, having that personal experience, what is that yeah. like? having that lived experience and also like having to help women who have struggled with something similar. Do you feel like it kind of opens old wounds or how do you cope Mm -hmm. with that personally? Yeah, I think that is, it's a great question and it's an ongoing thing. It's not like, okay, I worked through this and like now I'm done. I, I think it'll be something, you know, I think I will grieve that loss the rest of my life. So you know, I took this, this happened March of this year. I delivered early March, almost exactly nine months ago. And I, I took eight months off of work. I just, I could not imagine being a therapist. I was so bereft. I just couldn't imagine showing up for someone in the way that they would need me and in the way that I like to do my job. And so I had to pull myself out of work. And in that time, I mean, I had a really rough delivery course. So, um, I hemorrhaged after the delivery. I had two emergency surgeries, both of which I was awake for. And so, you know, they cleared me like you were talking about in the beginning at six weeks. They medically cleared me, which is funny because I bled for like three months (laughs) and had lots of symptoms for months. I wasn't even in my mind physically clear, but there was like this feeling of like, you're fine, go back to work. You don't have a baby at home, so you don't need more time. And I had to like fight to get someone to write me out. And so I was like, no, I I can't go back. And so the first thing was taking the time. And the second thing was I was doing therapy two to three times a week. And so I had, and I'm still doing that, and an individual therapist and a couples therapist. But where I really struggled to find support was I couldn't find therapists who were equipped in this area, like no one had experience with maternal mental health. And so again, I was like, okay, that goes back to my why. And so when I finally found people who did have that experience, I felt like I could begin to work on, you know, like coping and reducing the suffering, not so much the pain, because I think with grief, there is pain and we can support that. We can't take it away. And once I had the time off work and therapy in place, I was really able to get that support I needed. I'm so excited to share with you guys a planner that I've had for months now, and now I have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me. I've tried yearly planners, blank diaries, and everything in between, all the way from back when I was in high school. Silk and Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for years. Silk and Sonder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk and Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months, and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. 
For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. I hear you. Like I, I, mm-hmm. there's so much advocacy that has to happen, unfortunately, sometimes like yeah. I, remember, um, I obviously I'm a therapist too. And when I was really struggling yeah. postpartum with depression and anxiety, I had to advocate relentlessly. Yeah. Um, I yeah. remember my OBGYN when I first indicated that I was not feeling myself and that I really wanted help. I remember her response was that I should just give my toddler the binky or the pacifier. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like, no, it's about me too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just, it's enraging, you know, it's enraging. Yeah. And, and, and I hear so many people say that. And so, um, you know, I knew I needed that, that time. And now, you know, I, I had that fear, like, gosh, like, can I do this work? I had the fear of, could I, can I still be a therapist? Like, am I so far gone? Have I been through too much? Can I show up the way that people need me to? Because the work that we do requires so much of us. It's not just like you're there and then you go home. You know, we really carry what people go through. And so I, I, I know that I need to continue to be in therapy, but um, you know, it, it's, it's not hard. People seek out, it's not as hard as I thought it would be, I should say. Women seek out, I think, specifically when looking for a therapist um, within maternal mental health, they want a therapist who has experience. And so they're specifically looking for that. And I think that's unique to this specialty. There are a few other ones in mental health, like LGBTQ and eating disorders and substance use, where potential clients will seek out lived experience. And that's true in my experience um, with this population as well. And so people like that I put that on my website. They're like, you get it, you know, mm-hmm. you understand clinically and professionally, and you also have lived through it. And there's really nothing like living through infertility or a loss or a trauma. I mean, it's just, you can't really compare the two, you know? And so I think that that experience helps me. And where I just have to be careful is that, you know, if someone's asking about my experience that I'm sharing for their benefit and, you know, not because I'm sharing the same way that I would like with you or, you know, a colleague or a friend. And so it's, I always have to be mindful of that boundary and making sure that it's for the, you know, the, what benefits the person who's in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. And I can totally see how in the maternal mental, you know, as it, as it relates to the maternal mental health system, when it comes to that population, it makes sense, you know, why you would want to seek out someone who has lived experience or who is a mom mm-hmm. at the very least versus seeing yeah. a dad or someone who's not a parent. There's just so yeah. much to that experience that you can't explain. And you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. It just, it needs to be felt on the other side to really truly be understood. So I can totally understand why yeah. you feel like that has actually served you and your clients. Yeah. Because it, it allows you to see what it is that they have gone through and vice versa. So yeah, definitely. And it's not the only thing I do. I mean, I think if I was, you know, making such a shift and saying like, I'm only working within maternal mental health, I think that would be really hard. But I, I work with so many different populations and this is just like a subspecialty. So I think that helps too. And, you know, I just have to check in with myself. Like, Hey, am I, am I having countertransference? Like, do I need to, you know, reevaluate and take a step back? But I haven't had that experience because I'm so passionate about this that anytime someone comes to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to help you because I know exactly what you're feeling. 
Yeah, absolutely. So as we talk about like the, the enraging, you know, yeah. <laughs> internal mental health system, I, yeah. there, there has to be, and I don't know what it is. That's why I'm asking you. I'm always at a loss. Yeah. Like, uh, like yeah. what do we tell women Mm-hmm. because we want them to get help when they need it. Right. So, and we yeah. to feel completely failed by the system. So I'm always in this weird feedback loop of like, I want to warn mm-hmm. women. I want to warn expecting moms that they're, you know, at the mercy of a broken system that they may have mm-hmm. to advocate for themselves and yeah. get help from that system if you need it. So I'm always kind of at a loss. Like, yeah. What advice do you have for new or, you know, struggling moms out there, struggling parents? How do they, how would you encourage them to approach this mental health system that as, yeah. as moms, it's just completely broken? Yeah. I mean, you're so right. And it's so hard and it's like hard enough to have to ask for help, but then to have all of those barriers, it's just, it can really make someone feel very defeated and prevent them from getting the help that they need. And so I think like what I tell my advice would be is like, one, like, you know, yourself and you know, when something's wrong, even if someone's telling you like what your doctor told you, which is horrible, like you knew something was up. And so like one would be to trust your instincts and my other thing would be is that most people need support and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad mom and it doesn't mean that you don't love your child. This is really, really hard. And there are things and supports that you can have in place that can help you to feel better. And why shouldn't you feel better? Um, I think in terms of like the systemic challenges, a passion of mine is like reaching out to physicians and you know, collaborating with them or offering to do trainings about this stuff because a woman might not have a therapist, but most women will have some sort of, you know, like doula or some sort of provider, OBGYN, who they're seeing throughout their pregnancy. But the problem is they're not trained in mental health typically. And so they're the ones who should be assessing and at least making a referral for therapy, but I'm finding that they're not doing that. So I think if we can change that system and educate them of like, hey, this is what to look for. This is when you should refer out. I think less women would fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's not waiting until moms fall through the cracks, right? It's like preventative. Right. I wish we would be more preventative yeah. than anything. Like, I, it just baffles me that, you know, we have so many while we're pregnant, we have these like breastfeeding support groups and we have these Mm -hmm. classes and all these things, but there, there was never any, like, you know, how to take care of your mental health while you have a baby or talking about mental load or talking about grief. If, and when you do experience a loss or anything like that. So yeah, there's so many with the system. And, but, but with that said, I think that there are still some things that moms can do to set themselves Mm -hmm. up for success. Like you said, trusting their intuition, um, Mm -hmm. trying to find the support wherever they can. Um, And I always say too, as we've mentioned in this episode, like advocate, advocate, advocate. Like, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. already difficult, as you said, to get that help. Know that it may knock the wind out of you to go and get the help. You may not get the answer that you wanted, but you know yourself best and you deserve it. So advocate, advocate, advocate. And if, cause I know a lot of times people are just so exhausted. They don't have the motivation to advocate for themselves. Then 
find a helper, someone that you love and support, a friend, a partner, a family member, and say like, I'm really struggling, but I don't even have the energy to research this and, and ask them. And, you know, I, I have people contact me all the time on behalf of family members. They're like, this person is so depressed. I'm just calling people. Are you taking new people? There are people that can do legwork for the person who's having a hard time so that it's one less thing and all they have to do is show up because sometimes that's all the energy that they have and can give. Yeah. And, and one thing that you're doing right now is outreach, right? Like getting this information yeah. before they even have to ask for it because, yeah, you know, I always say on my platform and, and to all the people who I know who are going to have children, like, don't wait until there is a crisis. Like, right. Know, right. <laughs> get help until there's a crisis. Like, yeah. You know, to, you know, get that information out there to people before they need it, before an issue comes up. And that's why I'm so appreciative of you being here so that we can talk to women yeah. and really get them that information before there is a crisis. Right. Yeah. We don't need to wait for things to be so big before we get help. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some things really quickly that you think moms yeah. and as we talk about like needing help and needing to seek out um, additional steps to feel better. What are some things that moms and families can maybe be on the lookout for to determine if yeah. they benefit or need to see therapy? Yeah. I mean, I think things to look for, are, you know, what we call impairment. So like, is there an impairment in functioning? Like, I mean, if you're home, like, are you, and obviously if you have a, a newborn at home, some of this will be impacted anyway, but I mean, we're looking at things like sleep, appetite, like, are you showering? How's your mood? Are you able to work? How's your attention span? You know, if others are reporting that you're irritable, you know, if they're noticing that, that you're not you, um, those are all kind of warning signs of like, hey, I'm not feeling my best, you know, and there's no reason that someone has to suffer like that. There are things that can be done that can help. And even just having a place to talk about it and to have someone say like, yes, you're not crazy. This is really, really hard. Here are some tools. I mean, even just that is therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That little validation can go so far. <laughs> I know right. I went to therapy. That's pretty much what it was for me. It was just a warm, yeah. non-judgmental person and it made the world of difference. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So yeah. I, I want to get into some of the questions. We'll wrap up here with some of the questions yeah. I always ask my guests and other moms who yeah. are on the podcast. So I want to know if you could tell yourself anything back then, mm -hmm. um, what would you tell yourself? Oh my goodness. I think what I would tell myself is you're not crazy <laughs> because I felt crazy the whole time. I felt crazy throughout my pregnancy. I felt crazy when I, you know, was going through the postpartum period. I mean, obviously I'm still in that, but I, I felt crazy. And so I would say, you're not crazy. This is as bad as you think, and you won't get over it, but you will get through it. And it will be come a part of who you are, but your relationship to it will change and it won't always feel as raw. Mm -hmm. I love that. I feel like I wish I could have told myself some of those things too. And yeah. I feel like it's so relatable and I'm sure there are women out there listening right now that is that, that are just like, oh my gosh, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Because when you're in the trenches. Yeah whether it's with grief or in the postpartum phase where you're really feeling mm -hmm. depressed or really anxious or just not yourself for whatever reason. And mm -hmm. there are so many reasons. I mean, we just sometimes feel crazy, especially because yeah. 
we don't talk about things maybe as often as we yeah. should um, or as personally as we should. And so yeah. we feel like we're going through it alone, which is not the case. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we, we feel crazy and we feel like there's no end in sight and, you know, it's hard when you're in it to look to the future. Yeah, absolutely. So what else would you like for other women or just other parents to know in general? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, that they're not alone. Um, I mean, I started speaking pretty publicly about my experience. I write a lot about it. I, I've been on, you know, another podcast, you know, I try to just share my story. And since doing that, I can't tell you how many people, people that I know really well and people that I've never met who have reached out and they're like, oh my gosh, like this is what happened to me and I've never shared because we're not supposed to talk about it. And so just, you know, that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. That has to be so incredibly isolating. I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't even imagine having to go through that, let alone feeling this pressure that you have to keep it quiet, that you can't let it, yeah. stop, you can't, you know, that you need to hurry up and suck it up and get on with your life because everyone else is expecting you to, that has to feel so awful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So last question here before we give uh, the audience maybe a little bit more information as to where they can find you. I always ask my yeah. guests, why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things? Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, when I was um, preparing to become a therapist, we're in different states, but I'm assuming it's somewhere. And so it's like after graduate school, you have to earn all these hours and there's a couple of licensing exams. And I remember feeling just so so worn out, like, gosh, can I do this? And I met this therapist who was very successful further along in her career. And she said to me, nothing worth having in life will be easy for you. And it was just so simple, but it really stuck with me. And I think about that, you know, the things that bring us the most joy or that are worth the most to us are really, really hard. Like relationships are hard. A career is hard. Going through stuff like this is hard. Um, but it's, it becomes part of who you are and it changes you. And those parts are also really beautiful. And so, you know, we can't escape it. <laughs> we go through hard things in life. And so it's like either we avoid it or we embrace it. And that's sort of what I'm choosing to do or trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just say like, I have chills having listened to your story and just oh, witnessing you. Kind of, and imagining what that transformation must have been like for you. Um, to try to put that, that grief and, and transform that into a passion for helping other women and being able to connect with them in a way that they probably feel like no one is ever going to be able to understand. And then in comes yeah. you and you probably are just such a force of light for them and, you know, this safe, compassionate space. So I'm so grateful on behalf of all of them that you're able and willing to do the work that you do because I'm sure it's so incredibly valuable. So why don't you, yeah, thank you. you know, I'm just giving the audience, you know, the followers, whoever's listening out there, some more information about how they can find you, how they can learn more yeah. about you and, you know, read up about you a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. So the best place to find me is probably um, on my website, which is just tgntherapy.com. So my initials, Tracy Gilmore Nimoy. Um, and on there, I have um, other podcasts that I've been on. Um, I have an article that I wrote for Scary Mommy. And then as I do other things, I'll, I'll continue to add it to the website. I'm currently writing a memoir about everything that happened to me. So 
that's a good place to check for updates. And then anyone's welcome to follow me on social media. Um, my account's private, but <laughs> I'm happy to approve people. And my Instagram name is Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, and then G with three E's after. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I have the website up now. And again, I will post that all in the show notes so that my listeners yeah. can go ahead and access that really easily. And I will make sure to link you on Instagram as well. But guys on her website, she has emergency resources. She has grief resources, perinatal parenting resources, and tons of other things. So definitely be sure to go ahead and check that out on her website. And Tracy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you telling your story and for everything that you do for women. You're incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so awesome to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.